Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's the lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 18 this morning. Matthew chapter 18. Today is what my family calls Christmas Adam. December the 25th, obviously, is Christmas. The 24th is Christmas Eve. And since the Bible tells us that Adam came before Eve, Merry Christmas, Adam, everyone, from the Blue family. Uh, Tomorrow night, millions of children all over the world will prepare for a restless night's sleep. They'll watch the weatherman with his Santa tracker, and then will lie in bed restlessly, listening for any loud noises on the roof. Truth is, every child wants to believe in Santa Claus, even when there are some others who whisper to them that he might not be real. You see, sooner or later, every child that is a believer is going to have someone else tell them all the reasons why Santa can't be real. He can't fit down a chimney. Some houses don't even have chimneys. It would be logistically impossible for one person to to cover every child in every home, in every city, in every state, in every nation of the world all in one night. It would be impossible to carry that many toys on a sleigh. And we've never seen reindeer fly. The list of reasons to be a non-believer is staggering. And yet, children who are believers, they just don't care. All they know is, they went to bed on Christmas Eve, and they woke up on Christmas morning, and there were gifts under the tree that said, from Santa. And the stockings that were empty the night before are now full, plus in that just little bit, that little bit of a moment of weakness and doubt, where they set out some cookies and milk. When they wake up the next morning, the milk is gone and the cookies are either gone or nibbled on. And they go on believing because of a childlike faith. You see, to a child at Christmas, seeing isn't what's needed in order to believe. They believe in something even when they can't see. They live in a childlike faith. And that is today's message. I want to talk about unwrapping the gift of faith and specifically a childlike faith. And this morning we're going to discover three things about faith from God's Word. The first is this. Every true Christ follower has faith. Every true Christ follower has faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says this. For God saved you by His grace when you believe. And here's the thing. There's a whole lot of things about Jesus that we don't get to see. And so when we believe, we're having to believe without seeing. And so we are saved by having this faith. So we cannot be saved apart from having faith in Jesus Christ as a Savior. And so since our Savior Jesus was born more than 2,000 years ago, that means none of us have seen Him. So we believe in the birth of a Savior By faith. And this verse explains that we are saved by God's grace through our belief, through our faith. So, 
every true Christ follower has faith. And there may be some here today, and you've never been able to fully cross over into a relationship with Jesus, primarily because you have to take so much of it by faith. And, and can we just go ahead and acknowledge it as a, as a pastor of the Scripture and God's Word and a church? I'm going to tell you, you have to have faith to believe in Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. It's not just Christ followers that have faith. Everybody has a measure of faith. There are those that would say, well, it's just really hard for me to believe in things like that that I can't see for myself. Let me ask this question. Have you ever ridden on an airplane? The max takeoff weight of a commercial passenger jet is 800,000 pounds, and you get on it expecting it to fly. 22 of them crash every year. If you get on a passenger jet, don't tell me you're not a person of faith. Ever ridden in a car on Highway 69 or Highway 34? 4,000 pounds of screaming death is coming right at you at 70 miles an hour or more. And and check it out. There's a 33% chance that the driver that's coming at you is a teenager. Which means one hand on the wheel, one hand on the stereo, and a bobbing head the whole time. There's also a chance that that person driving at you at 70 miles an hour is a woman putting on her mascara while she drives. And there's also the possibility that it's someone driving and texting. And they will travel within three feet of you head on, and the only thing separating them from you is a painted stripe in the road. Just more proof that we're all people of faith. Ever go out to eat? You've heard what some disgruntled kitchen help will do to the food in the kitchen. You've seen on TV how filthy some of the restaurant kitchens are, but you go eat it anyway. Proof again that we are all People of faith. I didn't mean to ruin your lunch plans today. (laughs) But the truth is the truth. Here's the thing. I share those things with you just to make the point that we all exhibit faith in all of our lives every day. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It goes on to say, it, faith, gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. So we hope that the plane will fly and arrive safely. We hope that the car that's approaching us will stay in its lane. We hope that the food in the restaurant is not a sneezer. And we act upon that hope, even though we can't see for sure with our eyes that those things will actually happen the way that we want. That is what faith is, living according to to what we hope for, even when we can't see how it's all going to work out. I asked you to turn to Matthew chapter 18, so that's where I want us to look right now. So in Matthew chapter 18, we get to see an example of the faith of the disciples. This isn't their always faith, but this is an example of an instance of their faith. And so Matthew chapter 18, look with me beginning in verse 1. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus, and they asked... 
Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and he put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We all have faith in many areas of our lives, and every true believer in Jesus Christ has faith in him. But there are different kinds of faith found among believers. And so here's the second thing I want you to see this morning. Some Christ followers have a childish faith. Some have a childish faith. That's what we see in verse 1, where it says the disciples came to him and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples weren't just asking a random, innocuous question here. As a matter of fact, Mark chapter 9 tells us that the disciples would often argue among themselves as to which of them would be the greatest. And that's what this question is about. They're wanting to know from Jesus where they all fit in in the greatness meter. They were being childish. They were exhibiting a childish faith. It's like our kids saying, I'm tougher than you. No, I'm tougher than you. I'm bigger than you. Uh-uh. I'm smarter than you. Uh-uh. That's exactly what the disciples were doing. I'm greater than you. Uh-uh. I'm going to be greater than you. A childish faith is an immature faith. It, it, it's when we believe in Jesus, but we believe in him so that he will make us great or make us rich or make us powerful or wealthy or accepted, or whatever. This type of faith, ladies and gentlemen, is childish and immature. It's about us getting more. So some Christ followers today have a childish faith. On the other hand, number three, some Christ followers have a childlike faith. A childlike faith. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said in verse 3, I tell you... that unless you turn from your sins and become like a little child. What is childlike faith? Well, consider for a moment childlike behavior. Childlike behavior is marked by innocence and trust. Every parent has had that jump into my arms in the swimming pool moment with your child, right? You know, when they're little and they don't really know how to swim or they maybe they still got the little floaties on their arm and, and you're in the pool and you're begging them to jump because you know that they're going to love it and it's going to be awesome and fun and they've got their toes right on the edge and they want to jump so bad and they just aren't sure if they can trust you to keep them from going underwater, right? And sometimes, most often, it's not always the dad, but most often it seems like it's the dad that's trying to get the kids to do the daring stuff first, right? That way we can prove to mom, look what I got our kid to do, right? So, so you've got you know, the dads in the pool, and they're trying to get their, their child to jump off the, the, the solid ground into the water where it could get on their face and all that, and they're scared. And sometimes, dads, when our child won't jump, it hurts our feelings. It's like they don't even trust us at all. So sometimes, Dad, we get our feelings hurt. Other times, Dads, we just get mad, right? And we tell the other one, just push your brother in the darn pool, right? Well, when that time comes that they jump on their own, they do so because they finally decided 
to trust you. And they are trusting you in something that they've never experienced before. When we exhibit childlike faith as a follower of Jesus, it means that we simply say, I believe God. I believe that there exists this thing called eternal life. I believe that heaven exists. I believe the Bible is God's word. I believe that I can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. It's basically just getting to the place where we say, I believe what the Bible says. I trust God and I trust his word. That is a childlike faith. And that is something that we've got to make sure that we continually unwrap in our lives. And it literally is a gift. Because when we unwrap this gift of a childlike faith, it is something that is for us. See, I think sometimes we think that, that, that living a life of faith is done to benefit God. But the benefit is ours. When we exercise childlike faith, we get something out of it. And so I'm going to share with you two personal benefits of a childlike faith. The first is this. It allows us to know that we are pleasing God. When we live and exhibit and unwrap a childlike faith, it allows us to know that we are living a life that pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11, I read to you verse 1 that defined faith, but verse 6 says this, it is impossible to please God without faith. It doesn't say it's possible, but impossible. Isn't it true that we spend a great deal of time wondering whether or not our life is pleasing to God? Well, we're given here in Hebrews eleven six one simple way to know. If we don't have faith, we cannot please God. And so the opposite is true as well. It is our faith that pleases God because our faith, our believing that God is who he says he is and believing that God's word will do what it says it does makes God happy. Parents, doesn't it feel really good when your child or your teen does something the way that you've told them to do it, even when it doesn't seem right to them? A few years back, when, when my youngest, my son Parker, he was just getting into basketball. And, you know, when you're just getting into basketball, you don't really know how it's all supposed to work out and all that. You just know, dribble the ball, pass it, shoot it, and that's it. And they would call fouls on Parker and and little kids basketball and he would get upset about it and so he would just like back off and I, and I, I finally sat down with him and I said look they give you five four fouls is all good it's only the fifth one that's bad so you get you get four free fouls use them that's why they made this a rule in the game so try to steal the ball jump on somebody's back to get a rebound you do whatever you have to do to try to win because that's what a sport is for it's to win now i realize that this goes against some of your coaching philosophies yes it is to have fun i don't want to have to throw out every disclaimer yes it's for kids to learn but let's just face it there's a reason they are built with a score Right? So, four fouls are free. It's only the fifth one that's bad. So get in there and play and play hard. And it was so against his nature because the rule was if you get fouled, they blow the whistle. And that's like getting a speeding ticket to a little kid. Until finally, he just decided one day, okay, I'm just going to get after it. 
and played a great game, used four fouls, but never got kicked out of the game. See, when that happens, when our children respect our experience and our wisdom and they do something that doesn't fully make sense to them and they just take our word for something and trust us, that's pleasing to us, isn't it? In the same way, when we trust God and live by faith, it makes God really happy with us. But before I move to this next benefit, I want to clarify one thing about faith. When it comes to faith, there's a difference in believing in God and believing God. You see, believing in God is a nice gesture, and quite honestly, we do use the terminology a lot. But believing in God isn't what pleases God. Let's face it, the Bible tells us that the demons believe in him and tremble, but that doesn't please him because they don't believe him. So when we decide that we will simply believe God, that is the kind of faith that pleases him. So a childlike faith allows you to know that you are pleasing God. And number two, the second benefit is it gives God the freedom to reward us. So I read the first part of verse six. It is impossible to please God without faith. But here's what it goes on to say. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. How many times have we stood in the line at the grocery store and listened to a child beg their mom for candy there at the checkout line? Saying, Mommy, now you said if I was good in the store that I could have candy. Can I have it, please? Can I please? Can I please? A few, few weeks back when we had Christmas Coffee House and we had all the kids up here singing. In both services, I happened to notice a couple of kids who when they saw their mom or dad, when it was all done, they said, I did it. You know what my interpretation of that was? Whoever that, if it was your kid, you bribed them. Right? You told your kid, if you'll participate and you behave, when church is over, then you'll get. And so they were confirming, I did it. Right? I'm going to get what you promised. We like to be rewarded. God's the same way. You see, parents reward good behavior. And God rewards those who live in a childlike faith. When God sees in us something that pleases him, he rewards us. And the behavior that he longs to see out of Christians is the innocence and trust of a childlike faith. But sadly, some Christians never get out of childish faith and progress into childlike faith because they just haven't fully trusted God. And the reason is because they just couldn't see enough. For the last few weeks, I've been showing you video clips out of the movie, The Santa Claus 2. In that movie, Scott Calvin, who's played by Tim Allen, has got to find a wife by Christmas, or he can't continue to be the Santa Claus. And so he has to leave the North Pole, and he goes and he meets his son's principal, Carol Newman. He falls in love with her. And in the process, he has to confess to her that he is the real Santa Claus. And she thinks that he's making something up to push her away. And so she asks him to leave, and their relationship is seemingly over. And the next day, Scott's son, Charlie, approaches his principal to try and convince her 
that what his dad said about being Santa Claus was really true. Watch this. Principal Newman? What is it, Charlie? You keep asking if there's something bothering me. Well, there is. I, I couldn't talk about it before, but I want to talk about it now. Okay. Go ahead. My dad is Santa. Oh, please, Charlie, not you, hold too. Hold on, hold on. If you have no feelings for my dad, then fine. But if the only reason for not being with him is that you don't believe in him, then you're making a big mistake. Oh, Charlie. Here. I want you to take this. Look into this and try to remember what it was like when you were little. And you still believe in Christmas. anything yet <laughs> you see all she needed was a little faith and she found out that seeing isn't believing believing is seeing and that's exactly what Jesus said to one of his disciples his name was Thomas but we have a nickname for him right he was called doubting Thomas and Jesus said this to Thomas in John chapter 20 and verse 29 he said blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Children believe in Santa Claus despite all the logistical issues. They have a childlike faith that isn't based on seeing, but just on believing. And Jesus said that we must have that kind of faith, the faith of a child, in order to please God and then also be blessed by God. For most of us, if not all of us, the truth is our, our faith, it can waver at times. When what we see happening seems to be in conflict with what God says, it can cause our trust in God to weaken for a time. But what we have to remember is, seeing isn't believing. Believing helps us see. If a child can believe in Santa Claus, then surely we can unwrap the gift of a childlike faith in Jesus Christ, the one who God sent to be the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Son of God. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life and willingly gave his life to die on the cross for the sole purpose of making it possible for you and me to have our sins forgiven and be reconciled to God. We didn't see any of that happen. But seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. My challenge to you, two days before the day that we celebrate the birth of Christ, is to be a man, a woman, a teenager, boy or girl, who lives a life of childlike faith, who's determined to believe even when we cannot see. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning?
New Testament has made it very clear to us this month that God has offered to us some gifts. The gift of forgiveness, the gift of grace, the gift of joy, and today the gift of faith. All of these things are things that God blesses us with and the benefit is ours. Jesus is the gift of Christmas because none of these other things are possible without Jesus Christ. My challenge to you today to be a man, woman, boy, or girl of faith. Yes, there's going to be things that happen that kind of cloud our vision a little bit. We don't believe by what we see. We just believe. So let's today be careful and mindful and purposeful to unwrap this gift of faith that God offers to each of us. Heavenly Father, I pray today, Lord, that you would just take these truths from your word. God, help us to look deep inside our own hearts and and to question the type of faith that we have. Lord, are we showing a life of childish faith where we're wanting to believe in you for what you will do for us all the time? God, are we believing in you or are we just believing you? That is a childlike faith. So God, help us every day to put our faith and trust in you. Even when the things that we see try to get in the way. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your plan to send him to be our savior. He truly is the best gift that we've ever been given. I ask all this in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, so all month long we've been talking about unwrapping or receiving gifts and and I think that we've established pretty clearly that when someone offers you a gift you don't have to pay for it right or it's not a gift you don't have to work for it or it's not a gift a gift is just free oh and the other thing is you don't even have to feel worthy of it you just accept it is there any reason to feel guilty about receiving a gift especially if it's something that you need nope I don't think so but, you know, sometimes, let's be honest, our, our pride can, can step in and get in the way sometimes. And I'm hoping today that no one here will allow their pride to show itself. And here's why I say that. Um, there are some of you today, you're here and you're struggling financially this Christmas. Maybe you don't have enough money to buy your kids Christmas gifts. Maybe you just need some gas money. Well, we're going to give an offering this morning. And I hope that you paid attention to what I said. We're not going to receive an offering because your church doesn't want to receive anything from you. But we want to give this morning. We want to give for anyone that has a financial need this Christmas. And so here's what we're going to do. We've never done this before, so we're going to have to just kind of work our way through it. But in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we've got some people that are going to begin to pass these offering baskets and in these offering baskets there are tens and twenties and if you have a need we want you to take you take whatever you need and if we for some reason we run out at your row we'll get back to your we'll have to 
redistribute money to basket, but we'll get to you. And if for some reason we give it all out and we still haven't gotten to you, then you come see one of our staff after the service. Um, God has so blessed your church. And your church, we just want you to know how much we love you. And just as God has given us an incredible gift that we have to swallow our pride and receive it by faith, that gift of Jesus. You know, sometimes we have other gifts that are offered to us that, that we just need to receive it. If you have a financial need this Christmas, please let your church family bless you Amen. this morning. Yep. So I want to every, ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. I'm going to have a quick word of prayer, and these baskets are going to be in the, begin to pass, and you're going to have to pass it to the person next to you. So if there's a big gap between you and them, you may have to get up to, to get it to them. Uh, so, so be sure to help us do that. And uh, we just pray that, that you allow your church to be a blessing to you if you have financial need. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you that you have blessed us so much. Lord, I pray that there would be someone here today that they've struggled and they've prayed, Lord, for you to meet a financial need. And I pray that they would see that it is your desire to meet that need today through this church family. So, Father, I pray that you would just bless this time of giving to your people. And ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's pass. Just keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. And if you have a need, you take something out of that basket. Nobody's looking around. And if you don't have a need, why don't you take this time and pray? You pray. Thank God for your blessings. And pray for the people that, that maybe are having some struggle this Christmas. Lord, we love you, and we thank you again for the opportunity to be here today. We thank you for the message of faith today, Lord, and we pray that this offering would be a blessing to anyone who needed it and who received it. God, we just truly, truly want to be a blessing to those that are here with us today. Help us, Lord, as we go out this week. We praise you. We worship you. We pray if there's anyone that still has need that they would come and find us. It's in your name.